Welcome to The Whole Steward, the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. I'm your host, Andrew Stanton, and I'm glad you've joined. Whereas the public square previously was the platform of audible discourse and books were the visual medium, the last 100 years has seen a rapid development in our mediums of communication. Our guest today helps us understand the history of media and the role you and I play in that landscape today on The Whole Steward. Well, this is episode number 47. I'm so thankful you've joined. Thank you for listening. And as you might imagine, this is a fascinating topic to me because I was one who was a very slow adopter of new forms of media. I would listen to the radio, but even that is a new form of media in the last hundred years, for example. Now we've seen the advent of you know, not only radio, but video and audio over electronic means that has blown out of the water the old style of, say, a public discourse in the public square. If you wanted to debate in the arena of ideas, you would go down to the public square and you would listen to the people who are talking there. That's where the debates would happen. And now that happens right from our living room or from our car or from wherever we are. I used to avoid things like social media and the public presence on these electronic platforms because of the sheer fact that the speed at which information flows now is unparalleled. But I got to a certain point where I kind of decided that it was unavoidable. If you want to be completely under the radar in terms of your privacy, you can do that to a certain extent. But now with the advent of media the way it is and electronic forms of that media, information flows very quickly and it's very hard to control even if you want to control it yourself. So rather than trying to avoid it, I started to embrace it. And that's a journey that I've taken. And here I am before you in a podcast. So our guest today is a very special guest. He's the guy who helped me set up my podcast to a certain extent, a very strong believer, and has had a massive impact in terms of media out in the world and, of course, has a very unique perspective on media coming from a Christian worldview. You can see the battle of information happening right now, uh, and, and I'm not discrediting that books and printed media don't play a very important role because they certainly do, but the flow of information, if you want to publish a book about a particular topic, it takes some time to get that done. Whereas somebody can go on social media or onto a video form of media on the internet, be broadcast across the world within milliseconds. It is incredible how somebody may be in the public square debating somebody else and these conversations are happening on an individual basis. But if somebody happens to have their iPhone out, is taking a video of that conversation, let's say they happen to be live on Facebook or YouTube or even post it, you know, later that afternoon, that conversation 
could be literally heard across the world. It could go viral that quickly. And those ideas, those platforms, everything you say needs to be taken very carefully. And then we see right now the world is at war in terms of both the uh, war in Ukraine and also the war in Israel and Gaza and Palestine. You see a battle of information. You see a big push from both sides to perpetrate propaganda. And of course, it's in written form, but mostly that's being read on our computers and laptops. Now you see this world debate. Here's a couple of examples. If you just look at the uh, Israel and Hamas information war, you can see it's a worldwide war of words. Not only are people physically affected and losing their lives, but the battle for information about which side is right, which side is morally justified. From a biblical worldview, we go back to the text. We are men and women of the book, as they would say. We need to filter everything through that biblical lens. And I don't have time to get into this topic, but it's an example of information and the flow of information at this level. Now, you can also see, as we've seen in the past, big political and massive media movements, even with Elon Musk taking over Twitter, for example, and it's it's still in the public debate. So companies are pulling ads from X, Disney, Apple, IBM, and more. The business model of these platforms, as you would think about it, is funded by advertising. And this is a big deal when a company like X, formerly Twitter, starts losing massive amounts of advertising revenue. It's a big deal. And so everybody's battling for eyeballs and Twitter is supposed to be sort of that public square, if you will. But every company that props up the business model, if you will, the advertising funding has opinions as well. And they don't want their ads next to certain types of information. And so we'll see what happens with a company like X and whether they can survive this. Maybe they go to some sort of subscription. I know they've already done that a little bit, but we're talking about billions of dollars here. Finally, I want to just set our minds straight. As I was talking about, the battle for words, the information overload, if you will, is all about what is being said, what is true, what isn't true. And it's very hard to decipher now. Now, as we think about this topic from a Christian worldview, we need to remember that our words matter. And it doesn't really matter what the medium is that those words go out on, whether it's in written form or verbal form in a one-on-one conversation or on the global scene. If it goes into the electronics, you can count on it becoming completely public. And we need to be careful what we say. James chapter 3 is a great example of that. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and 
If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So as we think about our use of media, let's bear in mind what God says about taming our tongues and the wisdom that comes from above, which is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. That's how we should be as Christians. As we explore this topic of media, I hope you enjoy my conversation with our very special guest next on The Whole Steward. Our next guest has been in media since 1980, mainly in radio and even doing a daily network show for Westwood One on about 100 stations coast to coast over the course of a decade. He was a weatherman and writer on multiple different TV stations in Los Angeles and anchor and commentator in Salt Lake City. He worked in a recording studio as a voiceover chief, sound engineer, and with musicians and singers on jingles and album projects. For Spotify, he narrated the entire Bible as a daily podcast, having about 15 million plays. Now, he is the self-described hub of 
podcastaccess.com, where he helps new podcasters learn the business and coaches establish shows to more success. Welcome to the show, Andy Waits. Well, thanks for having me, Andrew. Appreciate it. It's pretty exciting to see everything that you've done and be able to have this time with you to uh, just learn more about media and sort of the podcast producing business. You helped me actually launch this podcast not too long ago, and I really appreciate that. So it's uh, great to have you. Well, it's just wonderful to be here, and I like what you've done with the show. I like what you've done with the studio. You've you've really uh, come a long way. You've done so much. Well, thank you. Yeah. So let's just get started. And what do you find in here? Um, maybe sort of the highlights or the one of the most interesting points in this vast career that which, by the way, is longer than I've been alive in media. <laughs> so I find that pretty amazing. Uh, <laughs> like I just got another gray hair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> well, you know, uh, working in stations in tiny towns in medium sized cities in big metropolitan areas and even a national network, mm. I've learned something different at each of the different steps, because in a small town, you might think you don't get a chance to do that much. The opposite is true. You have to wear a lot of different hats. And so somebody has to learn to do those things. So mm. rather than jump right to the big time, I was thankful. I have a lot of friends that did do that and they've done well in their business, but and their in their life and their career. But uh, thankfully for me, this has made me sort of a, a Swiss army knife of media so that I can do more different things. I can uh, achieve lots of different things because I've had to write, I've had to produce, I've had to work with clients, I've had to be the guy on the air, I've done promotion, I've done mm. all the various things that, that need to be done. You've probably also seen a development of technology oh over the years. I'm trying to think in 1980. Okay, now wait, did they have computers? Like what? What? What were you? Uh, I did my radio using? show by Carrier Pigeon. Uh, oh. <laughs> actually it played records, you know, 45s vinyl, okay. uh, on a lot of our songs, at least, especially the brand new ones. Mm. And then we were playing off of, uh, we'd put the songs when they were, uh, more popular. We'd put them on these looked like the eight tracks, but it was a four track tape mm. that was called a cart, a cart for short for cartridge. Mm. And we would play them off of those. And those went out about, uh, oh, the late eighties and we got CDs and then CDs left in uh, the early to mid 90s when computers took their place. And then in the uh, soon the computers took the place of guys like me. So, <laughs> so, you know, a lot of us were out of work or working. One guy can take the place of a lot of different people. In fact, I kind of felt bad about that whenever I was working at the network because I would work in Los Angeles. And as you indicated, I was, you know, for 11 years, I worked on about 100 stations coast to coast. And that means there are 99 guys that don't have jobs because I'm there in their town on the air instead. Interesting. Now, just for my understanding, when you say you're on uh, that many stations, is it one station that you were working for that then pipes the audio stream to all the other stations and airs on it? Or are you actually like the employee of all 100 stations? Or how, how did that even... I worked for a company called Westwood One. It's a syndicator. Yeah. And oh, we would okay. put everything up on the bur on the satellite. And uh, they would download it via uh, 
dishes outside their stations and then air it live. So and it amazed me that I could say something into a microphone and it went through all of our processing equipment back to master control where I was, you know, in Los Angeles and would go shoot out of our satellite dish up to a satellite in the sky. They would download it from the satellite wherever they were from, you know, uh, Florida to Washington State to Maine to Southern California, wherever, and all in between in the Fruited Plain. And then go through all of their equipment, through their board, up their tower, out their tower, into a car, driving down some <laughs> country road in the middle of nowhere, on through into their antenna. It would convert it into stuff that would come out of their speakers. All of it took about that fast. Yeah. It just blows me away. Yeah. And, and that was at, at what point in the 1990s or was that happening even like in the eight, like how far does all that complex technology go? That right. began in the late eighties, okay. but uh, my time there was 96 to 2007. Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I know, uh, there's, there's all kinds of, uh, electronics and technology that go on behind the scenes and you mentioned, oh, you know, it was kind of. Um, a displacer a little bit a little bit to uh, many guys jobs mm -hmm. so it would be interesting to hear about like you know I, I know for a fact because I've heard you behind a microphone flip into radio voice and you're <laughs> so good at it and it's like whoa he sounds like he's on the radio but he's standing right here mm. um, having to adjust what you were doing as the industry changed over. And and I think it would be fun to track that all the way out to today. Now, mm -hmm. podcasts being a thing, and here we are sitting in, uh, you know, this little studio that, you know, you can put together on your own, basically. So maybe kind of track that. Like, so how, how did you adjust through the years? And then uh, we can bring it up to today. Well, let me describe that. What how broadcasting changed from when I got into it in 1980 which by that point, it was a full flower. I mean, it was really doing its thing. Well, let's go back a little bit, actually. Let's start at uh, the beginning of the 20th century. At the beginning of the 20th century, um, there were Nickelodeons. That was, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much it. And then we had Marconi come along, and he created the radio. He invented radio. Okay. And then uh, commercial radio started in uh, 19, was it 20? I believe it was KDKA in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And then that's commercial radio when it first started. But, you know, who was listening? Like three guys, maybe. And then it grew pretty quickly. So by the 1930s, we had these networks that began. And soon mm -hmm. after that, the networks began to grow when they hired people like uh, Bob Hope, um, who, by the way, interestingly, Desi Arnaz was his... Uh, uh, band leader on his show and they would have a studio and people would come in and play live when i was a kid in the 1960s i always thought for instance uh donny osmond and the osmond brothers were going to the station and staying up all night long and singing songs and playing mm -hmm. songs i thought that well, how come he can stay awake later <laughs> well he's a little older but it wasn't really happening like yeah. that but i skipped a little era there television came along uh in the late 1940s but did not supplant radio radio continued and grew on its own parallel course right mm -hmm. they're both doing a similar thing but differently by the 1950s 
television was becoming more and more commercial, and it kind of paralleled radio in a lot of different ways. We had, in fact, shows that were on radio that were now transferring to television, and so vice versa. Um, Candid Camera began on the radio as a microphone, and then it went to television. Interesting. For instance. It, it kind of reminds me of, and, and I only hear stories about it, but it, there was a really famous debate, and I forget. I think it was between Reagan and somebody else. I think you're thinking of Nixon and Kennedy. Maybe Nixon and Kennedy. They said that um, those who listened to it on the radio, I think it was the Republican, they were like, oh, he hands down won the debate. Yes. And then the other one was on television. Everybody watching on television said, oh, the other guy won the debate. When you've got JFK, <laughs> who's this great looking guy, he's got a wonderful tan, okay. he's young, he's vibrant, he looked fantastic, and he had Nixon who had a five o'clock shadow, was sweating, okay. was pale, Let's... and he shifty-eyed, he's looking all over the place, didn't, you know, so, <laughs> but he was, had command of the facts. Right. So if you're listening, that's what you heard. If you were watching, you saw this young, vibrant uh, buck John F. Kennedy, just clean his clock, how it looked. Interesting. So, but um, so to continue the, uh, the progression of media. Right. Uh, into the 1960s, we began uh, the Top 40 era with a couple of different stations, one in California. Uh, it was a, called Drake Chenault. Those were the consultants that worked for it. Uh, Bill Drake, and I don't remember Chenault's last name, or first name. Mm. Uh, and then in Dallas, there was... Uh, Gordon McClendon, and they both came up with the top 40 idea. And that was short songs, short list of songs, playing them over and over. But they created this, they created stars and pop stars. Uh, and it was uh, coinciding with uh, the British invasion and the Beatles and all these songs and of that mm. era. Um, by the 1970s, that loosened up a little bit, but not much. And now we had FM coming on the scene also. It was already out there, but it was relegated to hippie music and, uh, you know, uh, uh, large bands playing oboes, you know. Interesting. Um, and then, so the mid-1970s album-oriented rock started on FM. And FM, people started to notice, oh, it sounds cleaner. It's it's much better. Um and you don't lose it when you go under a tunnel or whatever mm -hmm. it is, you know. So that began to take over. And so by 1980, when I got into radio, I started at a top 40 station because I enjoyed that kind of music. I loved pop music. Um, the radio station uh, had to serve the public interest, the local public interest. In fact, you had to fill out paperwork and show that you were doing local advertising and local uh, meeting the local interest for X amount of hours a week. I can't remember six hours a week, whatever it was. And there were rules also about who on a talk show um, you had to give equal time to both sides. And who was enforcing these rules? The FCC, the federal the FCC. communications okay. commission. Okay. And those things with the Reagan era, uh, there was deregulation of a lot of these things. And so soon uh, they, they also restricted you to how many radio stations and television stations you could own. Um, okay. They restricted you to, I think it was, what, six, it was seven, seven FMs, seven AMs and uh, fewer newspapers and no more than two of any of them in any one market. But that began to be loosened up 
pretty soon after that. It was during the 1980s uh, that you could own more stations. So what they started doing was programming them and they'd have a name like Kiss or The Bear or whatever it was. Mm. And they'd program all these stations with the same songs and the same logo and the same contests and that kind of thing. And so what happened was stations, you didn't have to hold them for as long. You could sell them faster. So rather than the airtime selling commercials, that being the commodity, the radio station itself became the commodity. Soon, chains of stations became the commodity. And they were, there was economy of scale when you were programming everything with the same one guy would have the ideas and just hand everything down, his edicts from you know, the ivory tower someplace. And then so radio station chains became the, uh, the, the product. And then in 1996, there was something called the Telecom Act that Congress pushed through. And what that was, was there were no more restrictions on how many stations you had or uh, you, you didn't have to hold them for very long. And so no longer was a station the commodity, certainly not the airtime on the station, certainly not even a chain of stations, but um, yeah, well, the entire chain of stations. And so you could sell an entire company. And then small, well, small companies became bigger companies by gobbling mom and pops. And then those companies were swallowed by bigger fish still. And then we ended up with just a few players in any one town. I think here in San Diego, we have maybe three or four different companies that own all the stations. And so where a guy like me could be on the air working and plying my craft and enjoying what I was doing. If they didn't like what I was doing at this particular station, well, then I'll just cross the street. I'll go over there and work for somebody else and make a deal with them and bring my audience mm -hmm. with me. Well, now you got a company that, what are they doing? They're taking money yeah. out of one pocket and putting it in the other pocket. Yeah. It doesn't really make any economic sense for them to do that. And so what you have now is no economic incentive to win. And they've dumbed everything down. And where we were having maybe seven stations in a chain of stations that were programmed by one guy, now you have maybe hundreds of stations programmed by a guy. Mm -hmm. And so there's a real monotony and everything is sounding very much the same. Interesting. And that's how that's kind of where you ended up. And you mentioned that it was a syndication. Um, and, and that's kind of where what you're talking about, right? Uh, well, that's with radio stations itself. Along parallel to that, there was the idea of doing syndicated radio shows. And that would be um, whenever I would uh, turn on my microphone, I'm talking to 100 stations at once. Mm -hmm. Not one. You know, I was just one guy doing that. And the illusion was that I was in all these other little towns because I would punch a button that said it was my voice saying their local call letters. And it was three seconds long, and I would hear something in my headphones that would inform me. I would, I would hear that three seconds of me saying something, and then I would begin saying my piece. Really? Yes. But because the illusion was I was in those little towns, that prevented me from being able to talk about what's going on in those towns. Yeah. Because now I've localized myself someplace. I can't talk about, for instance, when there's flooding in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. I, and then we've got local stations that are having that problem. They're dealing with flooding. They're listening and they're going, why isn't this guy talking about the flooding? Well, because mm -hmm. the people in Maine don't know anything about it or Florida. That doesn't mean anything. There was a... Uh, a barge that had lodged itself on a sandbar outside Coos Bay, Oregon, where I had a station. 
and they were looking at ways to offload the oil and they got as much of it off there as they could before the thing broke apart and it spilled oil and fouled the entire coastline. And so they set this thing on fire after they got as much out of it as they could. So there's this thick column of smoke less than a mile offshore and everybody in town is looking at it and ooing and aahing and I can't talk about it. Interesting. It, it hurt me. It was really, you know, a problem. So, so did those local stations wouldn't kind of cut the syndicated show off for that time and kind of say something special about, hey, you know, here's what's happening locally. Because I remember, and the reason I ask is, I used to listen. To, I didn't listen to a lot of FM, but I listened to a lot of AM. So, like, and it, it would be fun to explore this with you as well. But um, talk radio ended up very much on AM, yeah. right? And then FM was very much focused on like music. Yes. If you want, you, you wanted music. The the station here in San Diego used to air national shows. They would air on a local station, but it was like a news station sort of. So at the breaks, you would hear local related things. So I could get like my traffic updates and things like that. Mm -hmm. So they have somebody sitting in the office here in San Diego who's looking at San Diego related things and talking about that. W was that not the case or were you you were on the the national side of it. Yes. San Diego is a top 30 market now, it's maybe a top 20 market. Okay. So it's a big city and you've got enough money in advertising to hire a big staff and keep them on standby or doing things that are local. Where if you're in Nebraska, you maybe have somebody that comes in in the morning and does the farm report, you know, talks about stock prices and pork bellies and whatnot. And then they maybe go home and they just flip on the bird, as they say, and let that do its thing. There might be a secretary. There might be somebody else that's hanging mm -hmm. out just to make sure that, you know, the wires uh, don't, nothing's sparking, <laughs> whatever, that kind of thing. So uh, that's why in a smaller town, they may or may not have staff to do that kind of thing. And those jobs started going away. Fewer and fewer people were able to do, were able to do them because they weren't being trained in these smaller towns. Like I started in a small town, as mm -hmm. I mentioned at the beginning, I began by wearing a lot of different hats. Well, people don't get that opportunity anymore. Right. So I'm kind of a so, dinosaur. So that's a good place. I think to bring us full circle, it was super fascinating history of media. Take us now into the present. Sure. And it was like totally different. Yes. Like we, we got, we got the internet. We got computers, we got cell phones, we got, you know, these things in our pockets that are just ridiculous. They're Magic. like high-end cameras, you know, audio, you got internet connection, you can broadcast anywhere. Like, tell yeah. us how we got there and, you know, just the, the big media companies and just how media has changed just completely. 2003, actually 2001, Apple invented the iPod, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And that started a lot of things. So 2003 podcasts began. That is somebody was saw the the wisdom of making programming that people could download from the internet which was now getting faster. Mm -hmm. It was now at a point where it was there was broadband pretty widely available. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to have, you know, 56k dial up to be able to get a big program down. Also the algorithm MP3 played a big role in this because that allowed files to be compressed to a size that right. were, it was acceptable quality and it, it could be downloaded pretty quickly. 
uh, not quite streaming yet. The first thing I heard streaming, I remember uh, going on and, and hearing a, a Christian artist named Clay Cross uh, playing a song on the first media player online was called Real Player. I remember, remember that. Real Player, yes, and I it do. sounded like he was singing Guilty. it underwater. Yeah. It was just awful. <laughs> okay. It was really something. So we've come a long way, baby. So now by 2003, we're just beginning to have programs that you can download. Mm -hmm. And there were very few people that were interested in doing this. I actually had a friend from seminary that uh, I, he was a very clever guy, very smart man, uh, and a voiceover guy as well. He did sort of the same thing I do, um, but he was doing books and commercials and that kind of thing. And I said, we have such great rapport. Why don't we do a podcast? He's, what's that? And so we <laughs> went into his studio and sat yeah. down and just rapped about random things and riffed off of each other. And it was pretty entertaining. He goes, yeah, no one will ever want to hear that. <laughs> People who continued doing that are now multimillionaires yeah. because they started, it, it, was, it was a boomer sooner land grab. And if we had done that, you know, I might not be standing here talking to Andrew. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I might, uh, I might send a proxy. Yeah. Uh, but, um, I'll send my servants. <laughs> yeah. So that's when podcasting began and how it began with right. Apple. And then other companies rose up. Uh, Spotify didn't really get into the podcasting game, uh, which is where I worked for Spotify for mm -hmm. a number of years. Um, they got into the podcasting game in 2019. Maybe 2018. I think 2018, they began dabbling in it. 2019, they made a major invest in, investment, including purchasing a company that I was working for, mm. producing podcasts. That is taking, we had a, a staff that wrote, researched, and we had uh, narrators that would do stuff and read those scripts. And then I would take that raw stuff edit it into a nice clean show and put music, mood music under all of the different parts so that it would, you know, captivate you and take you right through like a movie does. Interesting. I guess this was right around the beginning of high school for me when you're saying the iPod came out. Yes. And um, my first Apple product was an iPod Touch 4. Oh, wow. So I was super like, super late to even adopt. I'm kind of a late technology adopter, although I have uh, seen the value of getting at least one of the later phones because we spent so much time with our phone now and we yes. still call it a phone. I don't know why, but mm -hmm. the fact that people could pre-download music and, th and that was a huge thing Yes, that, you know, we ended up with these massive libraries of like we had a, you know, a big library of CDs in our house. So I've ripped the music yes. onto my little, you know, portable player, which was way better than like an old Walkman that you had to tape in, you know. Well, see, you like. were doing it right. You were ripping it in from CDs. There were other people that were yeah. ripping it off yes. from online, from places like yes. Pirate Bay and Napster. What, what was it called? BitTorrentine or something the, like that? BitTorrent, yes. Yeah, where they would basically share right. their music with their friends, which was meaning... Anybody. Anybody, yeah. which meant artists yeah. didn't make money, which meant that the industry began to nosedive quickly. Interesting. It was yeah. a big problem for them. And in fact, that's the, the problem that Daniel Eck, the guy that uh, founded Spotify, 
he was solving. His parents were okay. musicians. He was a musician also, but also a technologist, and decided he wanted to make a way for the musicians to get paid for this brave new world of downloading yeah. so that they weren't getting ripped off. It was obvious that downloading was going to be the wave of the future. There was no way around that. But how do you make it so that they can get paid? And mm -hmm. so he devised this method of uh, a subscription method through his, pod, uh, his um, app, uh, Spotify, and different models. There's an advertising model for free. Anybody can listen to it. And then there's a, uh, a premium that you can listen to and you don't have like a subscription, for instance. Yeah. yeah. And then they, he devised um, and had to negotiate with the record labels um, the amount of royalties that the artists would get. Now, it's not a lot of money, but it's more than they got uh, in th they were getting from say Napster and like that. Here's how it works in radio. You think, well, radio's playing them for free. Also, what's the, what's the difference, right? Well, radio uh, pays licensing fees to ASCAP, BMI, and in Canada it's called CSAC. These are different licensing companies, and they're for the um, the artist. Yes, mainly though for the composer. Uh, whoever wrote the song, you'll see their name sometimes written on the under the label, and those are the people that make the the lion share. The artist usually makes their money off of album sales, uh, off the top, and from touring. And and you're saying that's today. That's how even it works. still today. Even uh, for radio, but but, but for the uh, the online model, they get paid okay. uh, by this negotiated deal that uh, Daniel Eck and his lawyers uh, negotiated with the record companies. Okay, so today, what would be the the best or primary profit center then of a musician or an artist that's you know producing music? Is it mm -hmm. the royalties, or is it? Or you're saying like physical album sales, like they still sell CDs? They do, but not many. Uh, because if you can if you can stream it, why would you want to go to the store and buy it? Yeah. I noticed that the Rolling Stones recently put out an album. They are selling physical copies of it, but the streams of it are uh, through the roof. Mm. And how much do you get paid for those songs? It depends really on lots of different things, but generally, as a rule of thumb, it works out to about a third of a penny per play. Interesting. Okay. And does it have to be like the whole song has to be played start to finish or 30 if somebody, seconds, 30 seconds minimum. Okay. Right. Interesting. So now take us all the way up to like what we're doing here. Yes. Uh, you know, we're, we're producing, you know, this show right now. Um, my wife and I produce it mm -hmm. and, and do a we, great job by the way. Oh, well, thank you. Andy helped me set this all up. If you are wondering, uh, if you look at the opportunity now today with the way, you know, media platforms are, and maybe we can get into a little bit later, sort of what we call now big tech, yes, which is in many ways, like replaced, I, I think TV and, and radio, sure. you know, like who go, who actually turns on their radio now, but the radio stations had to adapt. But if, if you want to watch something like, for me, and maybe I'm dating myself or, you know, giving some sort of indication of like where I am or who I am as a millennial, but uh, I go to YouTube. Yes. Right. And there's like all kinds of stuff. Now, some of my favorite people and, and people that I really respect actually are not on YouTube anymore because they've been kicked off, which is mm. uh, a thing of itself. Sure. Um, 
deplatformed. Yes, uh, but I really like what uh, Vody Bakum said at one point. Like, hey, we're using these platforms that here are censoring people who are you know gi- giving you know important truth, and and his term was he he called it uh, plundering the Egyptians. It's like plundering the Egyptians. So, you know, obviously there's there's big agendas behind it, but. Before we go there, if we want to go there, um, we have the ability to produce a worldwide yes. show, mm-hmm. if you will. And I, I've I've seen downloads in other countries. I'm like, who in the world in Ireland is listening to the whole steward? This is super <laughs> cool, you know? And whoever you are, by the way, thank you. That's yeah, super cool. Yeah. Leave a comment. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. You know, we're, we're able to produce a show right here, yes. uh, right now. Anybody is. So, you know, tell us about that. Well, the problem with it is, um, I call it the democratization of distribution. Because what we've done now is made it available. There's no gatekeeper. Used to be, to get a hit song on the radio, boy, you know, the mm. Beatles were turned down whenever yeah. they first tried to get a, a recording contract, for goodness sake. So there were, there were gatekeepers that kept you from being able to distribute your stuff. Well, with the digital age and the democratization of distribution, anybody can do it. And so a lot of people who have no business distributing their stuff do and so do we what do we end up with if you flip on tiktok and that kind of thing mindless just brainless Mm -hmm. just pabulum and and you know horrible things things that you there's no quality control on a lot of that and so here's the problem that we have now surfacing the good shows what are the good ones that are new mm. that are doing a good job it's an issue that you have obviously that you have with the uh, the whole steward and with many other uh, programs as well that are likewise doing a good service that are providing something for people mm. that really are uh, taking pains to turn out a good product but discovery is difficult and it's difficult by the way on the part of big tech as well it's a problem they work with all the time now what gets surfaced well it turns out squeaky wheel and so dei crt what what are those mean i don't even know what uh, diversity equity inclusion okay yeah crt uh critical race theory oh Um, right these various things yeah those squeaky wheels they want to promote at a place like a spotify an apple or wherever is wherever your fine podcasts are hosted (laughs) um because if they don't there's going to be ugly things written about them in the press and they just want to avoid all that stuff. And so they elevate those voices. And oh, by the way, young people don't know any better because they've been taught this all their life. And so it just feeds itself. It's a monster feeding its eating its own tail. So, so when you were at Spotify, you had the privilege to narrate the entire Bible. I did. Yes. Genesis one, all the way to revelation. Yes. That was a Spotify exclusive, correct? Yes, that's yeah. True. So obviously, not being a neutral company or, or environment, and you being a Christian, yes, in that environment. So how, how did that go? And then and then how did you end up doing this uh, this Bible 
narration podcast. Well, let's back up a little bit and talk about that CRT thing, for instance. Okay. And the loud voices that were screaming within my company, the barbarians weren't at the gate. They were inside the gate. They were inside mm -hmm. the company and shooting everybody they could, metaphorically. I'm going to mm -hmm. make sure they right. get that across. Um, and they were, uh, for instance, uh, Joe Rogan. We had paid Joe Rogan a couple of hundred million dollars for his show. Why? Because it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Because he guarantees a, a huge audience and big stories in the news. It drew a lot of attention to Spotify as a now podcasting platform. That's the first time I had heard of Spotify when there, there was all are. that Joe Rogan uh, controversy. I was like, oh, you know, I guess maybe I'd heard of it, but paid any attention whatsoever sure. at all. Like I didn't and have the, the app or anything. Like. People inside our company were like, why are you paying this guy all that money to, to say this stuff that they disagreed with? Mm. They didn't have any reason for disagreeing with it necessarily, but whatever their problem was, they voiced it loudly. And so Spotify uh, appeased them by giving lots and lots and lots of shows to people that didn't really deserve them and doing just terrible things. And we hired, hmm. oh my goodness, we paid money to, uh, uh, to equal time. How about uh, Michelle and Barack Obama? Uh, how about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle? They all got many, many millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars to do shows that frankly didn't draw in a minuscule audience, not anything comparable to Joe Rogan. But uh, so anyway, that's that's beside the point. I'm inside the company now, and I'm doing. We have a, a, a solid slice. It's weird. One of the most popular podcast um, genres is true crime. And who do you mm. think loves true crime? Is it men? No, women love true crime. Okay. Why? All I right. don't know why. It doesn't make any sense to me, but women apparently dig true crime. How are they able to tell that? Like, did you have statistics on sure. the back end? That, Absolutely. We can, can tell, tell yeah, how female. much you listen to, uh, how old you are. Uh, all these things are granular. We know precisely how much. Oh, that just makes me feel great. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. brave new world, my friend. Yeah. I got to kind of get used I, to that. I realize. That's one of the reasons why I'm on I was very opposed to any, I didn't have Facebook. I didn't, I did email mm -hmm. and I had a cell phone and that mm -hmm. was it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I kind of gave up. I'm like, this is impossible. Yeah. I contact you, friends you, by smoke signal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm doing yeah. these shows, true crime, and they are just mind numbingly terrible stories. I mean, they're, they're, they're fascinating, but man's inhumanity to man is pretty well known. And we've had, you know, many uh, millennia now to, uh, to perfect our uh, being cruel. And mm. now it's, mm. it's entertainment. It's, it's almost like the Colosseum back in uh, the Roman days. Uh, and we're entertained by uh, people doing terrible things and being scared by it. You mm. know, horror movies, very big. Mm. So I'm kind of getting ill of doing that, but you know, it's a job and I'm doing it and in, in that, and I had a one-on-one -on -one with my boss through the screen because I work for my home studio. Mm. And he was saying, hey, you've been doing such a good job on this. We want to give you, kind of throw you a bone and, and let you do this simpler thing. It's very easy. And boy, you'll work two days a week and you'll be done. And that's just fine and everything. And I'm like, okay, what is it? He goes, and what, you get to like be free the other yeah, three days? Sure. Well, okay. Yeah, because I'm, right. you're working from home. Yeah. So when you're finished and you've uploaded your stuff, you're, then you can you're, go. you're pretty well done. Yeah. And so I did that for a while, but I didn't do the, it, what he offered me was, here it is, horoscopes. Uh-huh. And I'm like, 
I can't do horoscopes. I, I don't want to be disrespectful or insubordinate. I can't do horoscopes because I'm a Christian. And the Bible says we're not to, not supposed to touch that at all. We leave that alone entirely. Mm -hmm. And my boss, I didn't know how he was going to respond to this. Uh, he was a guy a little older than me and very well known in our industry. He's uh, just super respected. And I didn't know how he would respond. Here's how he responded. He said, I am so sorry. I hope you're not offended. We wow. gotten to this point in our business life now where we're more concerned about is the employee offended than I told you you're going to be doing this thing. Yeah. Get your <laughs> so, job done. Right. right? Exactly. Uh, which is how I've always thought of it. And I didn't know how he would respond. That wasn't important to me. It's yeah. I'm, I'm more important. More important to me is how God will respond. Right. So I told him that he goes, Oh my, well, I've got an idea. We're looking at doing a podcast version of the Bible, splitting it into 365 parts and uh, making it into a daily podcast. We'll call it the daily Bible. Would you like to audition for that? And I'm like, yeah, yes, please. Oh, that'd be great. And they told me initially, Andrew, that it was going to be the NIV. It was going to be just such mm. a beautiful, the new international version, such a sweet read that is. And then they found out, oh, that's not free. They didn't know. Yeah. They just, and yeah. by the way, they, they had to look into it. They yeah. didn't care Bible schmeibel. They just knew that, oh, there's a lot of people that'll be it's, into this thing. It's got to say B-I-B-L-E on the front and then we can use it unless it costs money. Right. <laughs> and so I did the King James version, but that was okay. It was fine. And so I got through the entire thing. And so while I'm doing the Bible, I, I won the audition right away. And we started doing that. That was during 2020. I did that all during COVID that year. Mm -hmm. That's what I was doing uh, while we were all trapped in our homes. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm working in my studio here in San Diego. In Los Angeles, I've got we call them line producers. So we had somebody, this job was to take the next chunk of text and just get it ready for me. Right. And somebody else would go through that text and look for heavy words or difficult pronunciations, all those names, all the different uh, 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 names that are in there that are different, uh, difficult and different from anything we use. And they would spell them out for me phonetically. And then while I was reading it, they would be in my headphones correcting me. And I'm talking to them. They're hearing me and I can hear them in my headphones. Interesting. And so they don't know the Bible. So as yeah. I'm reading through it, I had an opportunity to explain what it was I was reading. Mm -hmm. And they were fascinated. Now, I don't know what they did with that knowledge. I think they've, they're, they're pretty hardened pagans. I don't know. But um, they decided, um, whatever they decided, that's between yeah. them and God. Right. But I offered uh, that information to them and, and you gave the gospel and, and like that. So here you are sitting in Spotify. Yes. You were offered to do a podcast on horoscopes. Yes. Which was supposed to be easy and you said i can't do that yes and they let you narrow and and you did the editing too correct I did so it, about 80 percent of it 80 percent. okay well they thought they were throwing me a bone i enjoyed doing that because there's mm. music under it and the music has tone and mm. and feel and it really moves you through the pieces but they thought 
Andy's working so hard on this. Let's let somebody else do some of that editing also. <laughs> and I let them, I'm like, okay, fine. That's, that's, you know, you know, take a little weight off my shoulders. Fine. We have professionals that are doing this. But then I listened to a couple of the pieces and I'm mm-hmm. like, this guy doesn't know the text. He's editing it poorly. He's using, there were places where there are curses. He's using light lilting music and other places where there are blessings <laughs> and he's using this dark, heavy music. What in the world? <laughs> yeah. So it didn't make any sense and it just sounded awful. So I took that back and did a, a lot of those. And what do you mean you took it back? Did you I, tell I, your boss like, hey. I told my boss, can I you know, thank this? you for doing that, but I prefer to do it myself. Can mm-hmm. I? And I absolutely, they trust me to do that. So it's, it's almost like nobody knew sort of the richness of what they were producing truly and and and, and it's just another book written by shepherds long ago probably had some bad meals and wrote down whatever they were thinking that's what they were thinking but but they're in it for the money so they assume sure. hey if we can get 15 million downloads they didn't know how uh, many they would get right but but at this point yeah that's where it is in fact cool. in the top 200 podcasts of all genres for over a year it was in the top 200 it would got up i think as high as like 110 or 111 something like that wow so not bad and that's a lot of visibility um people were seeing it trying it enjoying it you know it's got uh 4.9 stars 2000 ratings as much as people want to listen to these other shows yes they're also listening to the daily bible it's an option for them it's 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 an option but but it's also being listened to oh yes 15 million about ten thousand a day that's that's uh that's super cool that's Isn't that amazing. wonderful? Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Does it feel weird at all to have like that many ears listening to, to your voice? And I know like reading scripture is obviously the word of God, but, um, no, when I was doing that radio show on satellite on yeah. those hundred stations had about 2 million listeners a week. <laughs> so I can't even wrap my head around that. <laughs> so it was really that. not a, you know, did you ever get nervous or like just, how did you get over that? Like when that, that red light or whatever it is turns on. That's a on, very good like... question. And it happened in 1983. And I can remember when it happened. It might have been late 82 or early 83. And I went on the air and just bobbled and oh, 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 threw, a, threw a thing and messed it up entirely. And then I turned off the microphone and I went, Oh my goodness. I'm such a fool. I can't believe I just did that like that. I know the phone's going to ring and people are going to tell me what an idiot I am. Well, the phone rang. The next person's just asking for a song. Then another person asked for a different song. (laughs) Nobody mentioned it. So people hear a lot of that stuff the way Mm. maybe a dog hears their master, you know? And I realized at that point, nobody's, there's an old saying that says, don't worry what people think about you. They're not. They're thinking about themselves for the most part. And so I'm not so concerned about it. And I realized it's not like I got the top of somebody's skull open and I'm doing brain surgery. Lives don't hang in the balance. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> Let's do if offensive I while he's driving like, ah! <laughs> crash you know, or something well, like you that. can yeah. make somebody laugh so hard. They, uh, you know, they, they, uh, uh, get apoplectic. And, and I think you were pole. good at that. You used to, you are, and you still do crack a lot of jokes. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I got to stop laughing here so we can get some work done. You know? <laughs> so that's kind of well, cool. Well, thank you. Once that's I realized cool. that um, it, it wasn't that important, mm-hmm. I just let all that stuff go. And I went, I've always been funny, clever as a mm-hmm. kid. Uh, I was around funny uncles and family, and I did impressions from the time I was a child, 
and that kind of thing. And I was bottling all that up and not letting that out. I was trying to be this cool guy on the air mm. and not be me. Once I let that stuff go and started just flowing, just doing what it was I was thinking and sadly letting some of the filter go that should have been there. Mm. Uh, but it was very successful. I did very well. You were on air like every day, five days a week yes. or more. Mm -hmm. So you were getting a lot of practice at it, but you, yes. you found that you got better once you just started being you. Right. Interesting. Yeah, once I stopped worrying about what everybody was thinking. And by the way, you're in a room really by yourself, you and a microphone. Mm -hmm. Maybe a couple of buddies are hanging out or somebody, if you're there during the daytime, there might be office people popping in, popping out. But it's not that big of a deal. It's just folks that you're hanging out with and really the people listening, likewise. It's not like they're sitting there with a scorecard judging every little thing you do. Yeah. I guess maybe like nowadays we think about, okay, <clears throat> you, you've heard it called like the almighty YouTube algorithm, or you have a, a company like Spotify. I don't know if they're like, you know, my, my podcast is available on Spotify, sure, but I don't really know anything about how they promote it or like what, how, how is you, it getting visibility or anything Do you like pay that? them to promote it? Then no, they don't. don't. <laughs> that's okay so the only way somebody's gonna the only way somebody's gonna find it then is if they actually search that's the right. whole steward so it's on somebody you sends them to do your own promotion right you have to do social media you have to let people know you go on other shows they come on your show there's a good way to go one hand washes so, so help me understand this they're paying somebody like joe rogan yes 100 million I yeah think you said 200 200 million for three years for three years and then there's all these other shows that you're saying if they want to even be promoted or heard or anything like they have to pay. So yes. there's like some people that Spotify is paying. Yes. And there's other people who Spotify is getting paid <laughs> on the nose. Okay. That's right. Okay. That's how it works because he already came with an audience. He's mm. a known quantity. He's a, an actor, a comedian, an MMA artist, or mixed martial artist. Uh, so he's a, a well-known person. He brought, they, they were buying audience. I see. I thought it'd be interesting. We have just a little bit of time left to talk about how to start a podcast sure. just briefly and then Kind of tell us about what you're doing now. So we heard okay. a lot of history, and, and I think it would be interesting to hear. So Sure. So if you wanted to start a podcast, uh, first off, what's your motivation for doing it? Mm. Why do you want to start a podcast? What would be your point of doing that? Is it to get adoration of fans? There are probably better ways to do that. Is it to make money? There might be better ways or maybe not. Do you have an idea? What's the core and crumb of your idea mm -hmm. for making a podcast? Do you uh, have a, a viable plan? Um, start with that. What are people looking for? Is there something you're good at or you like doing? Scratch your own itch first, because if you like it and you want to do it, it might be that there's a lot of people just like you. It's uh, There's a, a great article. It's called 1,000 True Believers by Kevin Kelly. And the idea in K-E-L-L-E-Y, if you want to okay. Google it, it's easy to find. Uh -huh. um, because it's, it's set the mark for this whole idea of getting fans online. This is a seminal work, um, 1,000 True Believers. 
And it's not a long read. There's a longer read and a shorter one of the mm. same thing. But the idea is this. There's a number. 1,000 is a number he uses. But let's say you're a local musician. Let's say you want to make money playing your guitar and singing your songs. There's a number of people you need to support you in doing that. Mm. How many is that and how much do you need to get from them each each uh, year to make your yearly money from them and that's um the, the all there really is to it you know then you uh make your product for those people now there's the fat part of the curve where you got your I, you know i'm not current so i'll go old school michael jackson and madonna people like that way up there a lot of people listening to that and mm-hmm. then it, the those are popular for a while and there's a slope that goes out and this is called the long tail. When it gets out there, there's fewer and fewer people. And pretty soon you get out there where there's uh, left-handed Lithuanian nun folk music, right? And okay. so, <laughs> but there's going to be people that are into left-handed Lithuanian nun folk music. Mm-hmm. They're going to be super dedicated to it. And when they find you, they go, these are my people. And they mm-hmm. will catch every show. They will buy the t-shirt. They'll, they'll buy tickets to the live show. They'll, you know, get the latest album. They'll do whatever it is. They're super fans. Are there enough of those how many are there? How do you reach them? They, mm-hmm. There's usually some silos you can advertise to to find those people. How much do you need to make from each of them to make a viable living? That's the basic idea of 1,000 True Fans. Interesting. And, and now we have things like um, there's a thing called Locals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one, it's where you, you give. The name is escaping me now. Patreon. Patreon. That's mm-hmm. the one, yeah. Sure. Uh, and and there's there's people that I appreciate and watch, and they're always talking about you know oh well you know if you like what I do support me on Patreon yes. and that's how I bring you more and all that stuff and yeah. Um, My wife's blog has a buy me a coffee button. Interesting. Okay, yeah. there you go. Um, that's darcydishes.com. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Take advantage. That's super cool. Yeah. You um have this opportunity, if you will. Um, with the way media is now for yes. really anybody to do it. And I heard somebody say, and I forget who said it, and I wish I could remember, but it was on a podcast of all things. And he was saying, you should be podcasting even if there's an audience of one. Now, of course, you and I know that uh, our audience of one is God yes. alone. And what we do is obviously defined by everything that we believe in according to scripture and, and worship in worship to God. Uh, but the audience of one he was referring to was yourself. So you may be articulating ideas, thinking about life, Mm -hmm. whatever the topic is that you're thinking about, you're articulating that as a podcast, let's say, and it's it's sort of a way to validate even with yourself your ideas, Ooh, and then maybe otherwise that can be. So be what do you think about that? That can be dangerous because you're in front of, and now it's it's preserved. And as they say, once it's on the internet, it's forever. Okay. And so if okay. you're thinking out loud, sometimes some thoughts don't need to be said out mm. loud, and so you need to be careful about that. But what you can do, rather than making money or getting the adoration, maybe you just want to increase your authority, or maybe you're doing 
something like a book and you want to put some extra focus on that. Or maybe you just have this this itch that you want to scratch. You, you want to do a, a, a research project or there's somebody that you want to reach out to and talk to them then uh, maybe you're a fan of uh, Elon Musk let's just throw a name out there and so you maybe wanted to uh, find an angle and do a show about uh, uh, AI for instance because most recently he's that's his his mm. most recent uh, mm -hmm. thing that he's fascinated by his most current shiny object that he's into and so you maybe find a way to reach him like that or just whoever it is other yeah. people that are in that realm so you can increase your authority in your business. You can uh, uh, set yourself up in that way. Yeah, interesting. I do, I do know some businesses that uh, I work with and do business with that really have nothing to do with like media production yes. other than they have a podcast about what they do Yes. on a daily basis, which their business is completely unrelated to media, but... A friend of mine that was a program director in Los Angeles um, has a company now that called is called Sound That Brands. One of his um, mm. clients, Trader Joe's, a podcast for Trader Joe's. You're what? Thinking, what? Why <laughs> would I have no idea? Why would Trader Joe's need a podcast? Okay. Well, they've done almost seventy of them okay. at this point, and they're fascinating. And they're just things about what's behind the scenes. What do the bells mean? How did the orange chicken get into Trader Joe's? Fair, uh, just fascinating stories about Trader Joe's. Why do they wear those Hawaiian shirts? Why do they do things the way they do? Their culture is very interesting. That's about a brand. There are lots of these for various brands and anybody doing a business. I was looking the other day uh, through a mailer I got in my mailbox, right? Mm. Because that's where mailers go to the mailbox. Okay. So, <laughs> but I'm looking at there and I'm thinking, how much do they spend on this full page color glossy spread for oh, yeah. something that is for a guy that's doing landscaping stuff and his stuff was really good and everything. But what if he did a podcast instead, he could do that for what they spent on that mailer. And now they can talk about what are the best materials, what time of uh, year, what side of the house should it be on? What plants go in what areas? What uh, is your zone? They can talk about all the various things that go into that. I'm just off the top of my head doing that, obviously. Right. Some of my favorite uh, YouTube channels actually are business guys talking yeah. about their business. And since I'm, you know, super fascinated by business in general, for example, there's a guy on YouTube who just goes into everything pressure washing. He's got a pressure washing business wow. and he just, he shows you how to do it. He shows, here's how you Neat. do it. Here's the tools. Here's how you could get started. Here's all this stuff. Now, if you lived like, in that town where he mm -hmm. was and you needed something pressure washed, who are you going to call? You might oh, well, do it. I know all about what he does. I can you, see it every day. You my might house, do it yourself it. or yeah. you might hire the expert right, to come yeah. out and do it. So if you have a, uh, a business or um, something that you enjoy doing or something, you're saying that, you know, it's a podcasting now is a great avenue and it's yes. accessible to anybody. Sure. Is it, it's, it's easy. I mean, I do a, a fair bit of preparation, but uh, for the whole steward, but somebody doesn't necessarily have to do, you know, all of that preparation, right? Well, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish and what who you're trying to reach, who your audience is, um, where you're going to distribute it, all those mm. various things. You're doing video and audio, mm -hmm. both of which are excellent. Um, somebody might choose to do just audio or just video. And so it just depends on what you want to do. But um, 
But I would recommend, and that's what I why I built to talk about my business a little yeah. bit. Yeah, podcast access.com. It. It's yeah. podcast A X I S. As in the center of things that everything's connected to it. That's why okay. I call myself the hub of okay. podcast access. And at my website, you can find all kinds of articles on how to do this, how to think about putting together a podcast so that almost anybody, what I want really people to be able to do is go there, see it and do it for themselves. Or I can help you through the process also. That's going to cost you some money, but mm -hmm. not a lot. And, uh, but honestly, even people that are clients, I would like for them to grow to a point where they can do it themselves. Interesting. That's my goal. Cool. So that's how people can reach you is podcastaccess.com. That's correct. Uh, I, I really appreciate you spending the time to come and, and share it. awesome history of of media. Uh, I find it super fascinating. You know, like I said, I avoided social media in particular, and this stuff gets all over social media because I finally gave up and, and thought, you know, um, for me... It, it was it was a way to reach more people with the things that I was learning, and mm -hmm. and and I said, you know, I want to learn more as well. So this has been an awesome learning experience. I can say that for sure. Well, what I want to do since Spotify cut back on their podcast um, department and, and got rid of a couple of hundred people, one of mm. which I was. I was one of those people oh, wow, this yeah. year. Yep. That's why I devised the podcast. The secure job. There you go. <laughs> there, right? there is no such thing. Yeah. Uh, that's why I devised podcast access so that I can be a whole steward with the knowledge God has entrusted yeah. to me and poured into me over decades. I can pour that into other people also and help them accomplish what they want to do. Yeah. And I'm certainly grateful for uh, all the, the tips that I've gotten from you on the whole steward and really grateful for... Again, just the great learning experience, the history, and, and I hope you found this helpful, how you can start a podcast if you want to. Um, you know, there's certainly plenty of resources out there, but Andy is one of the best. <laughs> so uh, thank you very much, Andy, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Well, God bless you. Thank you for asking me. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, this has been great. So take care. Wow, what a great conversation. Thank you very much to Andy Waits for coming on today, giving us a perspective that is unique in being so involved in cutting-edge forms of media all throughout his life and living his Christian values in a world that promotes, frankly, very false and damaging ideology and lies and propaganda. Now, you might say, well, the Christian worldview promotes lies and propaganda too. Now, that is between you and the Lord because what scripture says is truth is true. It's very difficult to argue with the wisdom that comes from above. Scripture says it is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. You need the Lord to open your heart to that truth, to embrace it and not put it away. Andy certainly lived out his faith, even within a company like Spotify, and was blessed by the Lord to then 
articulate with his tongue the entire Bible. How awesome is it that those words of truth could be broadcast on these modern forms and platforms of media? Now, the other thing that he talked about was your voice, the ability for you to maybe start a podcast or to write in a blog or to write a book. We need more truth being said and not less. There's a lot of noise out there. And if we shell up as believers and we do not speak the truth in love, then we will allow those with louder voices to completely saturate and control the narratives and the platforms of media. We need to fight for what is true, but we need to do it in a spirit of wisdom and that wisdom which comes from above, as we saw in James chapter 3. If you like the show or found it helpful, please let me know. I will read and respond to your comments. You can contact me either through our website or lettersattheholesteward.com. You can leave a comment on the platform that you're listening on. That will really help out the whole steward. Until next week, now that you know more, go out and grow more. All content on The Whole Steward is for informational purposes only and must not be considered personal, professional, tax, or legal advice. Please consult an appropriate professional for individualized advice. Though we do our best to bring you reliable information, we make no guarantee on its accuracy. So you must rely on your own due diligence to draw your own conclusions. The views expressed by guests on the show are their own and may not represent that of the host. Please visit our website for complete terms and conditions. Thanks for joining us today for the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. This show is brought to you by thewholesteward.com.